What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Old Terps Podcast, brought to you by the good folks at New Amendment. Fellas, this week we have something special going on. Uh, Kevin has a busy schedule. Reese has a super busy schedule with all his life events coming up. Um, Travis and I are going to be in Chicago. We're going to be doing a live podcast. It's going to be, a lot of people are saying it's going to be top top event of the year. Uh, it's just going to be headlined by by Travis and I. This is one of those things that you don't want to miss it. I, I can't give you a whole lot of. You just you, you want to be there, right? Like he's got people saying it's one of the biggest pod events of the year. I got people telling me they're going to war for tickets. We're almost sold out. Um, it's going to be special. We're going to hold it down. Absolutely. I, I, I'm just excited that we're getting a free hotel, man. You kidding me? We're going to be sitting. In- Where are we staying? I don't know. <laughs> what if they sent us to like a uh, Clearmont Inn? <laughs> <laughs> I told him yeah. four seasons or I'm not coming. Four seasons or I'm not coming. The, the lo- Stay home. La Quinta or whatever. La Quinta, <laughs> baby. Show some respect. Uh, hey, never, Think about Chicago, though. Chicago's got, Chicago's got a lot of good hotels. Chicago's a great city for all that stuff. Entertainment, restaurants, nightlife. You know, it's uh, for you guys especially. Just uh, hanging out, doing what guys do. A lot of people. Recording podcasts, drinking beer. <laughs> A lot of people forget it's uh, St. Patrick's Day weekend, too, which if you go look this up, and this is a statistic, number two place in the world to visit behind Ireland is Chicago, Illinois on St. Patrick's weekend. Where did you get that, man? Feels like feels like that's not true. Where did you find that? I believe it. Don't they don't they put the the river Bro, they green put or the, whatnot? They put the green Water dye in. Green. I'm telling you, that is a that is a legitimate fact. It is going to be, you know, unpeel that that banana and just take a bite because it's going to be bananas. It's going to be amazing. Um, I just so, hope, I hope the podcasters don't call y'all out and try to go twos. Twos and I hope they do. I, I wish they would. I wish they would. Uh, I'm, I don't I'm know. begging. You too, boy. I'm asking. There's no defense. Hey, there. shout out. There's no defense. Right. There. Shout out. Right, old, charge taker. <laughs> sh- shout out Old Town Park, the apartment building. I've got a half court I can get us into. I will run twos against anybody on this podcast set. I don't think anybody that has no problem. capacity anymore. Not not on you. That guys. ain't no problem. I'm talking beyond the Big Ten. Miss, I'm talking anybody. Miss Loretta, I'm ready for the rest of the tour. Miss Loretta, they won't even know what hit them when I start banging triples, bro. I'm a I'm a uh, sidewinder type of guy. You get me in the post, you got no clue if I'm going left or right. No clue. You know, there's footwork's out. I think, footwork's control. I think the bigger question of all of this is where are you guys going to be sitting for the games? Are you guys going to be Reese Mona a la nosebleeds sitting up there in the clouds? Are you guys going to be down behind the bench near the court? This is for all the people people listening. There's been a lot of shit talk about this for the past couple of weeks about That's the connections right. and Reese sitting. There's a responsibility now from Travis and Andrew. If you guys are any more than 15 rows up from the bench, can we count you as is formerly playing for the program or is that just like you you guys are on the outs new coach program doesn't want anything to do with you or is it uh travis looks nervous already no 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 no. i'm not nervous at all i'm not nervous at all because listen if they're gonna put me up next to god i'm gonna sit and watch in my hotel room i'm not sitting next to god it's it's just it's just not happening i'll sit at home i need to i need to get something on the record though i'm i bounced back after that the next game i was actually sitting next to dc i know y'all got the the selfie too and Jameer dapped me up on the court side. So, yeah, I bounced back a little hey, bit. I don't want to hear all the hate. I'm, I don't want to hear all the I hate. Might be the number one ticket guy. I might be the number one ticket guy east of the Mississippi. 
there is no way I'm more than 15 rows up. If you ever need a ticket, you send me a DM. I might be the best there is. I just come up. Hold up, time out, time out. You're talking to two guys who was just courtside at All Star Weekend two weeks ago. I mean, I was I was on the floor for the dunk contest. Are you, are you telling me I'm I'm sitting in in section 326 of the Big Ten tournament quarterfinals? I was on the court. I had us, boots on the ground at the picture. slam dunk contest. I was on the floor. All I'm saying, it's something to watch for this week. It's something to watch. The, this is a headline we're going to be following. We're going to come back to this. Where we'll come back to sitting. this. We'll come back to this. Okay. I mean, I, I'm going to send you this. I'm, I might be two feet on the floor. I might ref half the game. I might put the stripes on for half the game. <laughs> I mean. The Big Ten refs could use you. Tell you some what, of the worst refs is. of all time, ever. I've never gotten along That's with bad. a Big Ten ref, except for, uh, like, Kelly Kelly Pfeiffer couldn't stand that guy. Um, who was who our ambulance driver? Saying names, wow. Larry's my guy. Though. We're going Larry, right after the La- names. Larry Scrana, big uh, bodybuilder, bodybuilder. Nah. These dudes, all they do, they don't watch film. They lift. That's why. They all, do, all they do is lift. They just do curls to get those biceps looking good. Okay, <clears throat> they're former athletes. What do former athletes do when they stop playing their sport? They lift. I you go to your apartment gym or your hotel gym, and you just like for some reason just try to get yoked. And these refs are still in their mindset. They're like. I'm running up and down the court. I'm getting my cardio in. I'm going to go do some bicep curls. Hey, pal, hey, pal, I'm not you, playing a sport anymore. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know two things about that, pal. That, that, that former athlete life, you wouldn't know two things about that. I was going to say. I got, a lot of friends right, that are, I got a lot of friends that are right in the middle of this right now, uh, hey. including some people that I'm talking to currently. <laughs> Reese, the, one of the most underrated parts, though, about the refs before you. We get let them go is that the coaches will spaz on the refs and call them by name and it's one of the funniest things ever kelly what the hell was that what are you looking at <laughs> Bro, kelly i'll, I'll never so, forget at, mark at, mark at, at minnesota uh turgeon is just digging in kelly pfeiffer's you know but you know what i just said um and he's just yelling at kelly across the court because he missed like seven calls in a row and we're shooting a free throw and he's just screaming kelly 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 then I forget uh, I forget who it is. I think it was Larry probably came over and was like, Mark, settle down, settle down. And Mark in Turge <laughs> yells back at Larry. He goes, shut the hell up, Larry. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> and I just sat there from that yes. point on. I was like, you guys, you know, you might have a whistle, but you have no respect. No respect. I mean, just say whatever you want to do. You're a grown they- man. Personally, in 2023, I'm not going like that. I'm not calling. They spend three months just yelling at each other repeatedly, week in, week out, by name, and I'm sure by the end of the season they're just so fed up with each other. Was speaking of refs, was was there anything more fun than preseason when the ref would come in and they'd start talking about calls that they're starting to, you know, really hone in on? And every single year, it was always Anthony. It was like Anthony, you're the number one guy of this, the hook and hold. You literally do it every play. You know, Anthony, the head bob, the, you know, the uh, the flop, every play almost. You were the top guy this year. Every single year, it was something, and Anthony was number one every single time. But that and only lasted, the calls. That, that lasted like five games. They have this, they come out, they, they call it every single time. It's over the top, and then they just slowly forget about it as the season starts to go on, and they call it like they did every other what, year. What do you guys think? Are you seeing the flops this year, the flop rule? They they can they are so big on the flop rule this year, and it's almost like it's almost like they're geeking to call the flop. What like what play? What specific play are we talking in the about? post? Um, Backing somebody down in the post. In the post and threes and yes. the shooter the shooter who falls shooter 
three-point shooter, goes up, shoots it, kicks his leg out, falls, not enough contact. and Because they, they stop the play instantly, and they're like, hold up, stop the play, flop warning, whatever. Yeah. I kind of like it, though. Because it'll slow down the floppings. And when the guy shoots a three, and he sticks his leg out and doesn't even get hit, and he's just, like, twirling on the floor, it's nice if they can try to get rid of that. What do you, since we're talking calls, what do you guys think about the block charge call? Because in my personal opinion, I think block charge in college basketball has become the worst thing on earth. Do you guys think charges are necessary? Like when somebody jumps, do you think you should be allowed to just sit there and take a charge? Or do you think you should make that guy have to jump every time? (laughs) Don't ask Reese. Yeah, Reese is the wrong guy to ask. I think it's, I'll I'll give... I'll let you go, Reese. We'll, we'll see what the charge taker has to say. <laughs> Good point. I was just going to mention that the IU game, I assume Drew watched. No, the Iowa yeah. game yeah. today, yeah. Nebraska, that was a block. Yeah, Connors. I just feel if you're at, yes, awful call. And that changed the game. And that was over after that. If he gets that and one, makes three, that's a one-point game. I think that was an awful call. I think if defender's there before the guy jumps, I don't think he should have to jump. If you're there waiting, because defense is hard enough. If you're there waiting before he leaves the ground, it's a charge. But a lot of these guys, when someone leaves the ground, it's dangerous if you slide under. And that should be a block every time. But I think refs miss that one. I think it's definitely one of the harder calls, though. Like, there's so many things you have to look for. Uh, where he's standing, if he's got heels in the paint, uh, whether he's moving, whether he was set before the guy jumped. Like, there's, it's such a tough call to make. I think that's why there's so much inconsistencies with it. I would more so be on the side of I'd rather them call charges more rather than blocks. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I feel like the more frustrating thing is when guys go to the basket, it feels like the defender's there for years, takes a charge, and it's called a block. Like For me, that's like there's so many rules that benefit the offensive player that especially when you're in the paint and guys are just out of control going to the rim, there has to be a way to stop them. And I think for the most part, I'd rather see more charges than blocks. The only issue I have with it is I feel like, especially for referees that are refing, the home team is trying to take a charge. They are obsessed with calling the charge for that team. The guy could be sliding eight feet to the right. The referee, he blows the whistle, he runs to half court, and he's like, charge, going that way, going that way. He's like hyping up the crowd like, yeah, this is my show. And I'm like, all right, buddy, relax. Like, We're not here to see you. We're here to see the basketball. They love calling those charges. That's my only issue with it. That's my biggest issue, especially in transition. Like when there's a two-on-one transition, I can't stand that 90% of the time the kid is just sliding over and moving. And if it's the home team, every single time, like Travis said, it's like a ref show at that point where they love doing the motion. Like they're flexing as hard as they can after they just did 100 curls at halftime. Like just getting the – yeah, they're getting the crowd fired up. They love it. Dude, (laughs) I'm huge on – if you're going to call the block, I need full hip thrust and stick it. Stick that block. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's what I want all day, but they're obsessed with the charge motion, and that's just you know that's just how it goes. So, anyway, um, anybody else have anything on that? Yeah, I got I got one more quick story on refs. I don't know if people out there know like referees in terms of trainers. I know this happens in the NBA. I'm almost positive I would assume it happens in college. Like when referees get to the gym, they can request your trainer to like get treatment like hey i got i got a bum ankle right now like i need you to come in here and and give me some treatment on this real quick i need my ankles taped or hey i got a i popped a a blood vessel doing doing curls the other day in the gym i need you to take a look at it and they get like priority treatment so you could be in the training room and there's some for us there's some rookies sitting on the table waiting for 
waiting for treatment. And all of a sudden, some spokesperson for the team, someone works for the arena, a security guard walks in and is like, hey, ref needs a trainer. And it's like they drop what they're doing and they go into wherever the ref's locker room is and taping ankles or they're giving treatment. Uh, so I, I think it's funny when you when you factor in that. And then you also, if people watch their warm-ups when they run out to the court, they got their, like referees have their little warm-up jackets on. They're doing high knees. You know, they're stretching a half court. It's like they're about to go to war. And, uh, I mean, I know they ref a lot of games here. I just think it's one of those things that's just kind of, like, funny. You're, you're watching these guys get ready for the game. You're like, look, yeah. look at this guy over here. He's, he's doing more stretches than, than her starting power forward. What's yeah, going this on? Guy's got, this guy's got the <laughs> trainer up and underneath him doing, doing leg extensions with the, with the RC bands and shit like that. Yeah, I can't. I, I remember we were in uh, Miami, Kev, for your game, and you're sitting at half court talking to the ref. And I'm sorry, but, like, if you're not – KD, LeBron, any of those guys, you are getting screwed on 90% of the calls. And I remember after the game, I was like, what were you talking about? <laughs> You're just like, probably how screwed I'm going to get on every call tonight and how Tyler Hero is going to get all all the, all the his calls. I mean, refs are just, I know it's a tough job, but dude, they are so bad sometimes for that being their only job. Dude. Well, the worst part is having those conversations with them pregame. You're like, Brian, hey, nice to see you. How, how was your travel in? Did you get a good night's sleep last night? You're like, dab them up. You're like, hey, thanks. Uh, you know, have a good game. First call. It's just like, Brian, like, I thought we were cool, my guy. Like, we were talking before the game. I thought, like, the first three calls, I was getting the benefit of the doubt here, and you screwed me twice already in the first four minutes. It's hilarious because they will have they will have a convo with you before the game, like your best friends, like long lost best friends. Like, hey, how's the family? How we, you know, how's school going for you? Everything good? And he's looking in your eyes, and you both know that in ten minutes he's going to screw you. Bro, I used to I used to sit at half court and just screw around with the refs and have like have nice conversations while everybody else was warming up. Like Bo, for instance, you remember at Northwestern. I had a great conversation with Bofa? him, whole family. Big I was asking about his whole family. Bro, we were back and forth. He was like, man, he was like, man, love talking to you. Can't wait to see you next week. Three minutes into the game, I'm like, the ball comes over to the sideline, and I'm screwing around with the ball, like acting like I'm going to hand it to him. And he was like, sit down, shut the fuck up, and give me the ball. I was like, I was like, Bo, what the fuck's your issue, buddy? I was like, the f- what the hell was happening? Bo. I had no idea what just happened. That was that was a great. That was a great Maryland tradition you just referenced. So whenever the ball got to the end of the bench, it didn't happen often, but if we ever had a, a, a dead ball, ball went out of bounds, came to the end of the bench, the rule was everybody had to get a touch. Everybody. Before it goes back to the referee, everybody had to get a touch. Everybody. Touch including the ball, Kyle. Including Kyle. So there was me, Reese, Drew, whoever else was down there, Kyle Tarp. Um, everybody has to get a touch of the ball. It's good juju. It's just good juju. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, you like, you like feeling the, you like feeling the game, the game leather, man. The sweat. I think, I think everyone out there knows obviously who Scott Foster is. Yeah, he's, sure. you know, he, he does the finals every year. Careful uh, what you say here, big boy. He's one of the better referees <laughs> in, in the league. No, this is actually a funny story. So Scott Foster is a Maryland guy. I don't know if people know he's, that. He's like Scott Foster, he's, he's a Maryland guy. He's a, he's a Turk. Wow. I had no idea. So either he is or his wife is. I'm almost positive he is. So me and Scott, every time we see each other, and it was like my rookie year, it was we used to talk about Maryland. Hey, how'd you like campus? How was Turge? How was this or that? And so that was like what we would talk about pregame. And so for the next three or four years, it was like every time he refed one of our games, 
it was it was a brief like go terps like just just a quick like hey go terps or, or we talk about it so earlier this year uh like maybe our 10th game when I thought at the end of the game when I thought I got fouled by Clay Thompson that would have gone to the line to tie you the mean game. When you got where axed, I did get fouled, the murder you, you, where I got where I got absolutely three times. They they the punched you in the nuts ball. for half a yeah. second. They grabbed your elbow and then they chainsawed your your foot off. Besides that, it was clean. <laughs> oh, I tickled yeah. him, and then they tickled him. <laughs> so we had him like earlier that year. So we had him once before then again, it was all just, you know, small talk, pleasant interaction, quick turps, boom, play the game. So that happens after the game. I think I tweeted like, Oh no accountability. And there was definitely a spotlight put on the refs. And there was a couple things just across the league that, uh, just referees kind of got put in a bad place for about a week or two. So the next time we had the game, Scott Foster is doing our game. And I think I went up pregame and it's, hey, we're like right before the tip is about to go. I usually walk over to the ref and I just like want to feel the game ball. Like, hey, let me feel this. Let me bounce it a couple times. So he's sitting there holding the game ball. I go up to him. I'm like, I'm like, what's up, Scott? It was like quick, like, hey, Kev, like doesn't really look at me. Hands me the ball, like bounce it. And I think I do it back. I'm like, all I just said it was like, go Terps. And oh no, like <laughs> did not like look at me, like didn't say wow. it. It was like cold. And then like the rest of that game, there was like another play where it was a quick. <laughs> I think uh, like there was a timeout and the ball was bouncing. I think I walked by instead of you know taking the ball and giving it to him. And he had a quick like just hand me the ball, Kev. Like one of those oh, like he God. was kind of like short. Where oh. I remember thinking after the game, I'm like. I bet Scott was a little bit shitty about like what's happened the past two weeks. And he I feel like tweet. I was maybe the start of that. Like he saw my tweet he for sure. <laughs> he definitely saw so, uh, talking about talking about <laughs> better clear that up before play. Seriously. That, that's when you know you're screwed. When, and, we, and we haven't had him since. That's when you know you're screwed when when you just get hit with a uh, Kev. You know, that's it. Not a how are you? Hey, how you doing? Just Kev. <laughs> yeah. Just Oh, go screw yourself. Kev, buddy. Like didn't really look at me. All right. So what kind of so, whistle did you, what kind of whistle did you get? Yeah. I mean, he's usually, for me, he's usually fine. I think Scott's just one of those refs. Like, I'll give him this credit. Like, you can't walk over him. Like, you can't talk to him. He's going to tee you up quick. There's certain refs that let you talk. Like, Scott is, like, he's been around the league for so long. He's basically, like, like you're going to respect me. Like, you're not going to talk to me a certain way over the course of the game. I got a quick whistle. I got a quick tee. But I think for the most part, he calls a pretty fair game. So I've never had a problem with his actual refereeing. It's just, like, he, he has a, a personality to him that maybe other refs don't. But he's always been great to me, except for that one time. So I'm interested the next time our interaction is. Sound funny, Reese? Maybe it'll be during this uh, <laughs> Big Ten tournament in CA run, and I get to uh, get to get the chatter up again with him about the turps. That's we'll crazy. See. You can't even, Kev. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe you can get a go turps this time. Now you were going crazy on that water. If you're watching on on line, people. Just go to this minute mark. I don't know what minute mark it is, but watch Trav. I mean, that you just look ridiculous. You know what's crazy man. with these dudes? Water is a basic human necessity of life. You can't live without it. And I can't drink water in peace without these guys just freaking all over me. This is unrelated to basketball, I mean, well, but, but I feel like there's a certain type of person that like carries around a water bottle every day. You know, there's certain people like, this is my water bottle. I'm going to refill it and save the planet and not use plastic. And I'm only going to have this and it stays cold or it can stay hot. It holds my coffee. It holds my, <laughs> and they just have every single function for their water bottle. And it's like their best friend, a certain type of person. Yeah, that Travis got his water bottle. Well, that's Trav trying to be a wannabe right. health guy. Trav filter. People, people have no clue. Trav was, Trav was out till 830 AM last night. <laughs> 
didn't get in the door till the sun was cracking. This guy's drinking water now, acting like he's Mr. Hell. It's, it's filtered. Know? This guy's struggling. It's a Brita filter. It's clean. Those no, those are those are unbelievable. Although I will say this: go look up uh, Brita water bottles, and trust me when I say that filter system. It's ugly. I mean, it's bad. This guy's so, spewing. You, know, you might want to throw spewing that spewing Uber facts today. You saw on Twitter everywhere. Chicago Brita had enough. Uh, okay, well, here's another fact. Terps can't win on the road, man. Oh, my. Uh, what, who, what was the statistic? How, what's our record on one the road? One nine on the road in the Big Ten. The only win is Minnesota. I mean, that's scary. Yeah, at Minnesota. We won by like 40. That's got to be a record to go 1-9 on the road and 10-0 and at home in league. I wonder if that's ever been done. That's because that's, that's, that's crazy. It would have been way cooler if we lost at Minnesota. If we were Ofer on the road and and won everything at home, that would have to be a record. Tell you remember. Tell you remember. You want to be remembered at the we end of the talk day. About how, we talk about how hard it is to win on the road, but like you still win some. Like we're going the benefit yeah. of the doubt when you're going against playing really good teams. We're not talking about the the Penn States, the Nebraskas of, of the world. We're talking about Michigan State, we're talking about Purdue, we're talking about Indiana. We got to be able to, like, Ohio State is an okay crowd. They're not a good team this year. Usually their crowd is fine. They have a big arena. That's a place we, we should have been able to go in and win this year. You got to be able to win to win some. Yeah, sour ending absolutely. to a really good Big Ten season. Extremely sour because Ohio State, no matter if they're good or not, I don't know if they are good or not. I think they're okay because okay they have good freshmen. They have good shooters. They're big, obviously, is out at home. Ohio State's a really easy place to play. I'm not sure, you know, I think my junior year, we lost at Ohio State, but we were so banged up. We had nobody that, you know, Kevin, you were averaging 40 minutes a game with Ant. Um, That's impossible to win there. Uh, But for the most part, Ohio State's really easy to play at, and we kind of just laid an egg there against a slumping team. And then Penn State, we've never won there because Penn State, is just the worst place on earth to go play. Like we talked about their hotel, the food, the gym, everything. But then they also have the best shooting percentage, I think, you know, maybe in the country from three. They shoot a bunch of them. It's a good shooter's gym. And, you know, that place got got loud and they needed a win today. And we just kind of dropped the ball on the whole thing. My thing is, though, we're going against Penn State. I don't know if the players didn't read the scout right or if the coaches didn't have a scout right. Well, we'll talk a couple of their, they can shoot threes. Miles Dredd, we'll start with him. He's a fifth-year guy, played the most games in Penn State history in his own gym, and we're going under his ball screens? Well, what do you, so what would you do on, so obviously in the second half of that game, Penn State went completely small. They did not play a big. Julian Reese had to guard people on the perimeter, and Julian Reese was guarding Miles Dredd. So they're just putting him in a pick and roll, and they do that slip screen every single time. How do you guard that would you would you sit Julian Reese because he played well on the other side, but going under is just that's just like makes no sense. That's like going under on me. You know that's a knockdown. So Drew's a thousand percent right. I'll give you the facts. Except for they played all guards except one forward for eleven minutes and another forward for five minutes. Other than that, five guards on the court the whole time, pretty much the whole second half. And like you're saying, Maryland was lost though. I don't think they knew exactly what they were doing. It wasn't, it was going under here. They weren't switching here. They stayed and hedged and then the guards got confused. They didn't know what they're doing. I think if you're Juju, you either 
take him out or you live and let him do one or the other. You say, we're switching everything, Juju. Just do your best. We'll be in help. Or you say, we're not switching anything. They were just lost and Penn State capitalized. I mean, Penn State's a pretty good team. If you make mistakes, give open threes, they're going to hit them. I think like to start, I wouldn't have said sit Juju because he's one of your best players. He's been one of your best players. He had a great first half. I think you want him out there. But if you're seeing him struggle, because, again, like he's not used to guarding guys on the perimeter like that. He probably hasn't done it all year. If you're seeing him struggle like that, I think you have to sit him because twos, you're up 13, 15, 17 for the majority of the second half. Twos, you can live with twos. Threes, you can't give up because that's how you, a team down double digits gets back in the game. And that's what we gave up. We gave up a bunch of threes. That's what you can't do. So maybe that's an adjustment where you say, okay, he's struggling with this. We have to sit him because the one thing we can't do is give up three-point looks. I like. You. I think you definitely have to keep him mm-hmm. in. I think if you get to that point in the game, you have to just switch everything. Travis talked about it. Bigs are not used to getting over ball screens, getting under or over. Bigs are used to or guarding ball screens as a help defender, not as a primary defender. And so I think you have to live and die. If you're going to switch everything, you obviously you're going to live with the fact that there's going to be times where Juju switched out onto a guy on the perimeter and he's going to try to attack a one-on-one. You shrink the court, you play in rotations. But I also think a lot of times once teams, and this happened pretty early in the second half, like you, you could tell Penn State was attacking him. They're attacking that matchup. I think sometimes that's advantage defense as much as it can be an advantage for the offense right away offensively if you're just going to specifically start to attack somebody you become stagnant you stand around you're using a lot more of the shot clock you're specifically trying to go at one guy that i think if you start switching everything your juju's living with the fact of hey you're not getting by me i'm if anything you're going to take a tough shot over my hand all game we're going to live and die with those results and everybody on the court is shrinking the court i think that's the best way to go about it Whereas you can't expect Juju to be navigating screens and some guys you're reading, some guys you aren't. I think that's super confusing. Really good coaching on Penn State's part to switch up the game and throw a different look, Uh, especially when you get down by that much. A lot of coaches will go small just to get up a lot more threes. You try to play faster. You try to get the speed of the game up. You need more possessions. Maryland should have in that situation you slow down the game you're switching everything if they want to sit there and go one-on-one against Juju you're living with that if it gets to it maybe you take them out at the end but I'm sure it's something we'll learn from it's probably not going to be the last team to do that contrary to your point the only thing I'd say is Jalen Pickett I think is the reason we weren't switching one through five because I think he would go seek out somebody on the other side I don't know if it was Julian Reese that they're worried about and they were thinking, you know, Reese, how many uh, how many points has has Dred scored over the past couple games? The last five was three points, zero points, zero points, zero points, three points. So it's it, it's almost like they didn't care about the Julian Reese switching because they're okay with you know Miles Dredd being the guy that beats you. I think they're more worried about the Jalen Pickett seeking out a smaller defender and then taking him to the post. Because Jalen Pickett in the post against a defender that can't guard him, is it's brutal. And it's brutal to watch. So that's the only thing I'd say contrary to the switching is I think it was the, the weak side of Pickett more than it was actually Julian Reese not being able to you know move his feet. But like you said, you can't expect a big to know how to guard ball screen coverage unless it's a hard hedge, unless it's an underneath switch or, you know, something like that. 
And I agree with Drew too. And Kevin mentioned a good point though, is if you have the big on island, you shrink the floor. And what Maryland wasn't doing, a lot of the buckets were, they weren't shrinking the floor. And what that means is if the guy's on the ball and there's a ball screen, everyone else in help side almost comes to the paint. And you yeah. want to make them kick it out. And there was a play, Maryland was up 37-24. And I don't know if they got complacent, but there was a simple pick and roll and Jameer was hugging his man in the corner. For a, Then they got an easy dunk. Uh, later, Jameer got backdoored uh, for an easy yeah. layup. So it wasn't exactly them just attacking Juju. It was plays after plays of just guys weren't locked in. I think they got up 15 and were like, well, it's nice to win our last game. And we were up you can't do that against Big left. Ten teams. They're disciplined. Yeah. We're, and we talk about it all the up. time. You, typically on the road, you have two, you have two second half runs. I, excuse me. Typically, the home team gets two second half runs. And it's up to the, you know, the home team to either take those runs or not take them. But you hit one three and the crowd starts going crazy. You either, you know, accumulate that into a couple stops and a couple more scores and the game's, you know, craziness. Or it goes the other way where you don't capitalize on it. Penn State didn't capitalize on it until four minutes left. They were down 48-59 with like 350 left. And then it was a funk three. It was another funk three. Then it's a Miles Dredd. You know, backdoor. Then it's a Seth Lundy offensive rebound, and then it's that you know kid who makes a left-handed layup at the end of the game. I just don't know. You know, Kevin, would you call more timeouts in that situation? How do you? How would you approach something on the road like that where everything's just going haywire in like two minutes? I mean, it was two minutes. I know it's tough. Like coaches always want timeouts at the end of the game. And you have to base it off of momentum. Like you're feeling the crowd is, is the other team in a good rhythm. You try to break the rhythm, their momentum. But no, at some point, like you got to play. Your players got to make plays, especially if you're on the road. The coach can't always save you from those types of runs. You got to trust in your system. You got to be able to trust that you can you can run things without having to call a timeout. You can get plays and get shots for players that you want in those situations. And uh it's just a funky game, right? It just like at the end of the game, it was just funky. It just things do not tend to go right for Maryland in Penn State. We that's a gym that for whatever reason we do not win in. They do not usually have a great crowd. It's a massive arena that they fill at about a quarter of the way. But we just we can't win there. I don't know if the energy is always off uh, or they just have our number in that gym. But uh, I think from a coach from Willard, it's it's tough to say whether he could have done more or not. Uh, you can't always rely on timeouts being the thing that's going to stop another team from a run or their momentum. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. Yeah, Travis, I think, think something that was – Oh, Rizal Swanee? <laughs> you, you, got, you, you, you laughing up there? I think something – Nah, I, I think something that was disappointing Chad, was – It would be one thing if it was like a three-point barrage from everywhere, but it was really just like two guys, right? Like Pickett, he had the ball in his hands most of the game, so he's on the ball – and then it was Funk shooting the ball and Miles Dredd shooting the ball. That's really the only, where they got all their three-point production. Exactly. So that's something where it's just like, okay, look, like somebody's got to step up and guard those guys and don't let them get clean looks. Um, that is, I think, what disappointed me. I think offensively, Hakeem and Dante didn't really give us much. I, that is, I think, the crux of that performance. Jameer was pretty spectacular. He had 26. Um, I think that's early cool. on in the game, we hit a couple threes early. Penn State, as a defender, when you give up a three, your next thought is don't let that guy get another shot again. So even it doesn't matter what he shoots, you're going to be closer to him. The, the, the space of the floor kind of opened up. Jameer had lanes to get to the paint, get in the mid-range, get good shots off. Um, 
so offensively, you know, that was a bright spot. Ian Martinez had a good game. Don Carey made a couple shots. But Hakeem and Dante, like, going into the postseason, those are two of our seniors, two of our leaders. We need more than, what do they have today, combined, like, four points? Hawk had three and Tay had one. We, we need more than four from those guys. Yep. Yep. It's not just I really truly that, believe though. sometimes in, like, the uh, – the end of season, like the the highs and lows of a season. Uh, I think having senior night be two games ago, Stop. we come off of that on such a high. It's a great win at home. It's Northwestern. And it's like, oh, yeah, wait, we got two more games to go. We got, we got Penn State, who's having an up and down year. It's tough to get up for them. Ohio State, who's had, for the most part, a down year for their standards. It's such like you're coming off an emotional high of winning at home, and Willard is – talking about how great seniors were and how he's never won a game like that or played that well in senior night. And it's tough to turn around and refocus to win two more games you're quote-unquote supposed to win. And so I don't think that these games for me worry me about this team. Uh, I think it could be something we need, like a quick kick in the ass before we get into the real postseason and the true single-game elimination the rest of the way here, that you know we need to refocus and – if we're not locked in, we're going to a neutral court that you can get beaten by anyone. But it's – you could kind of – I hate to say it, you kind of feel this coming. Like you kind of feel like there's going to be somewhat of a letdown or a lull. I kind of felt like we we're definitely going to drop at least one of these to end the season. Uh, it just stinks. Like obviously dropping both of them, it definitely ends the season, like we said, on a sour and weird note. No, I'd say Kev's 100% right in the fact that Maryland had such a good senior night. And then today they made no winning plays. I think we can talk about it. I think Willard put them, as a coach, it's your job to put your players in the right position to win. I think he did a fine job of it. I just don't think we made the plays to win. I don't think we, little things like boxing out, or we were saying Dante, he only scored one point, but also defensively, he was helping off um, who's the Funk on the corner yeah. for a wide open kick out three. I mean, you're not going to win games like that. I think Kev's right. It could be the kick in the ass that they need to maybe turn it around get a Big Ten tournament, um, get a little run. Scares me, though. I think it's in your head when you're 1-9 on the road. Uh, you're about to travel to a Big Ten tournament. I do uh, think Kev a makes a great to to point, though. Like, that was a very yeah. emotional game against Northwestern, and we had a ton to play for this week, right? Like, if we had won today, Iowa lost. So if we had won that game today, we would have locked up the two seed in the tournament, which you get a double bye. It's, it's you know, it's an easier path to the final. But it is a lot easier said than done getting up for a couple road games, like he said. Um, it's just tough. Like, it, it sound, you, you have a lot to play for. It's easier said than done. I think, like, the guys just didn't seem like they had it this week, which happens. It's a long season. You've, you've, been, you've been playing since November. Much, like, it happens. How much of a factor do you think this is of momentum toward the tournament? I, we talk about this all the time, where if you're not training upward – then you can't be stagnant. You have to be going up. You know, you can't just be 50% win this one, lose that one, win this one. How much of, you know, does this play into the mental side of going into the tournament? And Reese, you just kind of hit on it. that It's a travel regardless. If it's neutral or not, it's still a new setting and it's a new routine, I guess you'd say. Um, so how much do you guys think that this will play factor into how we do in the tournament? Because I think we're going to play Nebraska or Minnesota first. Um, and then we'll go play Michigan State or potentially IU. So what do you guys think The issue I have that? is that I think we've been pretty consistent pretty much in 2023 as far as, like, who we are and how we play. It's just we've been two different teams. Like, we're 10-0 we're and at home, and we're 1-9 and on the road. 
and it's been pretty consistent throughout. So it's almost like which Maryland basketball team we're going to get on a neutral court, the one that's been at home and pressing and energetic and, you know, getting good shots, sharing the ball. We're going to be the road team that is sluggish and lethargic and, you know, messes up defensive assignments like that is almost just a decision we have to make this week as far as like, you know, who are we going to be and which, which Terp team is going to show up. What is it though on neutrals? We're fine on neutral. I know we beat Miami and played Tennessee hard, but why, like, are we not a very good defensive team? What, what is it that you guys think is the reason for such like Kevin, we, we said this before the podcast even started, you at least expect to win a couple on the road. I don't care how good the league is at home you still expect to win a couple what do you guys think it is is it you know the defense we don't have the defense or how do you guys approach that i think at all levels your your best players have to play really well on the road to win i think everybody always plays well at home you might get a couple performances you don't expect players tend to make more shots at home when you go on the road it's truly for your best players to shine and to carry the weight of of the wins and you know, for today, I think our, it's our, it was our question all year long, is how deep was this team? How many truly all-league potentially type of players do we have on this team? Uh, Jameer has been great. Jameer showed up today. It's, I think the other two guys we talked, Hakeem and Dante, have been up and down really all year. I think the games that they've played well, we win. I especially think Hakeem is that X factor for us. When Hakeem plays well, we tend to win. And Dante is... Dante's like a Swiss Army knife, usually guarding the best team's best player, at least at the forward position. He's a rebounder. He plays hard. If he's making shots, that's a bonus. But our best players had to play well for us to go and win a game like this, and they're going to have to do it in the postseason. You go to a neutral court, I wouldn't put too much stock into the end of the season. I think it's easy to say, hey, if we had won these last three, we win senior night, we go on the road, we win two. Wow, our confidence is high. We're riding such a high going into the tournament. Well, you could say last year the same thing happened to Iowa. They went on a spectacular run. They win the Big Ten. They're on an emotional high, and they go and get beat first round of the NCAA tournament. Like, I think the postseason, it's a whole new season in itself. It's a whole new energy. You're on a neutral court. It's a whole different feel. Like, everything, included, this is at all levels. This is including the NBA. Like, the regular season, the regular season, the postseason, postseason. It's two different things. And so, Maryland, they just got to refocus. I do think our strength is defense. Like, we're a good defensive team. Defense is going to travel. I expect when that ball goes up and whoever we're playing, whether it's Minnesota or Nebraska, we're going to be in their shit. We're going to be picking up full court. We're going to have a lot of energy. I think the guys are going to be ready to go. Uh, but our guys are going to have to step up. I think Hakeem and Dante, if those guys play well for the next, hopefully, you know, one, two plus games the rest of the year, we're probably guaranteed, what, two more games guaranteed. Uh, if they can play well the rest of the way, I, I feel really good about this team moving forward. If we don't have either of those guys in one game, you're probably looking at the end of our season, or, or even one of them, you could be looking at the end of our season. I think we can expect Jameer every night. Juju's been great. Dante and Akeem, for the most part, they've been great. They've had really good senior seasons. If they don't show up, this team, I don't think, can overcome the talent deficit. I don't think we can keep up with teams the way maybe uh, other teams I on our conference two things are, that are able we... to. Trap. overlook that we don't talk about a ton that kind of are magnifying some of our problems on the road first of all we're not deep we're not a deep team we only really play seven guys so if you have one or two guys that don't show up it it it, it hurts and it's difficult to win 
and that is magnified on the road. And the other thing, I think defensively, like I think we're a good team. We guard, we get after, we pressure the ball, we're pressing all game, we're in people's shit, but we don't really have a great shot blocker. So some of these mistakes that we're making on the road, you get punished for it. I don't know if you guys remember, but my my junior year, we were on paper we were a really good defensive team, but we made a lot of mistakes. Um, all of that was kind of nullified because in the paint we had Sticks and Bruno. Anytime anybody drove, you had to go through those two guys. They were just erasing shit by the rim. We don't have a guy like that this year. Juju is an inside presence, but he's not really a great shot blocker. So if you're making the mistakes that we're talking about, like you're going to, especially on the road, you're going to have to pay for it. Um, so that's something that I think like the rest of the year, like we have to be kind of airtight on our assignments and like our principles. Like, like Reese, you said it, don't help off the corner. Like just don't help off the corner. Don't give that shot up. Be where you're supposed yes. to be. Those are the type of airtight things that we need to clean up if you want to win games when they're single elimination. What do you guys think? So we, we've been asked a, a ton, and this is kind of half scouting report now. This is half uh, word on campus about the Big Ten tournament and what it's like traveling to the Big Ten tournament, how it feels. Everybody's in the same you know, city, same hotels. You have fans that travel in that you might not expect are there. Um, so, Travis, kind of give a run through real quick of what the Big Ten tournament is like from not only a practice standpoint, but then you wake up and, you know, going through the hotel and uh, you have a bunch of fans there, et cetera, think, going into first the of all, like there's just a different energy, different feel with the postseason because everything is just magnified and more important. Like you go to Chicago and you lose, you go home. So everything's more important. I think preparation wise, right? Like we don't know who we're going to play yet. It could be Nebraska. It could be Minnesota. So you don't really prep for an opponent like you might do in the regular season. It'll be a lot of just focusing on us, cleaning up the things that we need to clean up. Like, what do we need to do to win games when we get there? And then, so we play what? We get a single bye. We'll play Thursday night. We'll leave probably Tuesday night, get there, get settled, practice, just get used to the, you know, city. You're, you're in a hotel room for the for the, the next three or four days, so you get used to all that. Um, and then you, you play. It's a different energy. Um, I'm sure you guys remember, you, you get ready to go to the game you get to the lobby of the hotel and you have fans and parents and cheerleaders and, and boosters and all those people kind of clapping you out of, of the hotel room and getting you onto the bus. Um, and it's, it's just a different feel. Like I'm sure you guys have more to, to add to that, but it, it's, it's a different feel and it feels, everything feels a little bit more important. It's super exciting. First and foremost, it's, it is a completely new energy, a completely new season. You get gifts for going to the Big Ten. I mean, we used to get the booklets. You get to pick out a new speaker yeah. or new pair of headphones, or you get a whole bunch of gear, like whether it's from the school or from the Big Ten. Uh, that's even that's not even going in the NCAA tournament. But it's a completely new feel. It literally feels like a new season. The travel's great. You feel the support is there. All of a sudden, like the true, I would I won't say the true Maryland fans, but but the people that follow the program the closest, they usually travel. Uh, like Travis said, there's a send-off in the lobby when you're going to the game. Uh, the cheerleaders are there. Usually they don't, they don't travel on road trips. Um, the hotel is great. It's all done up for the Big Ten. Like, it is a really exciting time of year. And it's just, it's, it's just not the same. Like, I think these guys, it's for teams like us, we finished the last two games on the road. Maybe, at, like we talked about, the emotional down after senior night. It's, it is kind of a, a kick in the butt. It gets you excited to play. I think everybody tends to show up. Um, 
So I'm excited. I mean, obviously these seniors, it, it could be it. I personally haven't had much success in the Big Ten tournament. Um, Maryland as a whole, I guess the last over the course of our career, hasn't had a super deep run in this Big Ten tournament. So in terms of talking about and finding the right things to, to go and to lead to a win, I'm not sure I can speak onto that too much. But uh, all I know is defense is going to travel. I know we're going to play hard. I know that's a pretty good start. And I It's think awesome, though. Where... It's... Go ahead, Reese. It's tournament. It's tournament basketball, and for a lot of kids and college players, you haven't done this since AAU. You haven't played three games in three days since AAU. It's fun. It's exciting. It's different. I mean, you actually, whether you believe it or not, get pretty bored at the end of a regular season. You play yeah. the same teams. You're playing the same teams. Does this game matter? Yeah, it does. It might get us from a six to a seven seed. Now it's tournament basketball. You lose, you go home. You win, you keep playing. And it's a little more bragging rights. It's a little more to it. And it's like childhood. It's like AU. You're in a basketball tournament. You're in a tournament. Uh, it's not the NCAA tournament. The NCAA tournament is incredible. And we can get into that uh, in future pods to come. But Big Ten tournament is still awesome. It's still tournament basketball. You want to win. Like another underrated go home, part of the tournament like that we also yeah, – like, We say all the time jokingly, like, who wants it more? Like, we want it more, whatever. But sometimes also with this tournament stuff, it's generally just, like, who wants it more? Like, you guys remember a couple years ago, Michigan – had that issue with their plan, plane landing in D.C., and then they oh, yeah. played their first game in their practice jerseys, and they were the eighth seed, and they won it all, like, running away. Like, that was, I think, the most classic example of guys who just wanted it more than anybody else, and that is a lot of times who wins these tournaments. Because you're playing a game, you're getting home to the hotel late, you got to get an ice bath quickly, turn around the next day, you're tired, you're sore. Like, you you got to show up, and... It's a different challenge. It's different than you do everything in the regular season. But I think a lot of times it's a lot of just who generally wants to be here more and who wants to win more. There's, to me, there's two things with tournament play where, and Jay Wright said this after he won the national championship, I think in like 16 or something. And he said, you know, it hasn't really sunk in yet because I think the journey was more beautiful than the result. And the pressure of tournament basketball is that you, you, it is so much fun that you don't want it to end. So that's where the pressure is. It's not, you know, you're not nervous about airballing a shit. You, you know, it, that's not the nerves. The nerves is, okay, this could be the last time I go on the court with this group. But you also think about the journey as well. Yeah, winning the Big Ten would be sick. And I know that's the most fun part. But what do we always talk about? We don't really talk about, hey, you remember that win? No, we talk about the practice is the journey of everything. So I think that's one of the first pieces of tournament plays. You start thinking and getting in that mindset. And then secondly, I think this is where you really see how good of a coach you have. Because like Travis said, you don't scout teams. You can't scout teams. You can't get every team's best play. You might be able to stop two of their sets that they run down the stretch. But everything else is principles. So that beginning of the year, the scouting reports, all that stuff, worthless. You know, everything now is, do you have the right principles to stop somebody? Does your defense travel? And do you have good enough sets that they can't guard you either? So I, I think, you know, tournament play just brings out a whole different beast. And, you know, Kevin, were you ever nervous going into, you might not have been nervous going into any game really, but were you ever, you know, what was your mindset going into a tournament game? Was it more butterflies or, you know, what were you thinking about more? You said it. For me, it was just so much fun. Like I was just so... Just you could feel the stage. I, th I think I honestly got more nervous for league games. You're playing at home. There's a big opponent. It feels like there's a lot in the line. When you go and play 
in a Big Ten tournament or an NCAA tournament, it is. Like, that's a great way to put it. You just, you don't want it to end. It's so much fun. It's the thing you've been building for and playing for all year. It's all you've talked about. It's all the fans care about is the stage that you're currently on. And maybe in your head, for some reason, you you think that no matter what happens, like, hey, we're, we're going to get three or four games out of this. This is a Big Ten tournament. It feels like this whole big this whole big to-do and, and snap your fingers or one game and you're done. And that happened to me in my, my sophomore year. We were this big buildup. We'll go to MSG, play in Wisconsin. Great, boom, lose our first game. And that was our season. Like, we didn't get invited to the NCAA tournament, not the NIT, nothing. Like, that was it. And you don't get nervous, or at least I didn't, for these games. I've always been someone who's, I think for the most part, tried to step up to the big stage and, and trusted in my abilities and their team's abilities and the preparation that's gotten you there. But it's, it is it's just so much fun, like being on that stage and having the support and feeling the support of your whole school and your teammates. And uh, it's just such a positive environment. A point you too just want is like, more and more of it. You're flying to Chicago or New York. You're booking a one-way ticket for the team. And you have no idea when you're coming home. And it's like, again, like you're playing out of not fear, but just like, I don't want to go home because there's no worse feeling, I think, than losing a game. And you guys are talking about logistics for the travel of getting home the next day. And you just know in the back of your mind, like, man, we have more to give. Like, we we should have won that game. We should be staying here another day, another two days. We, you know, we we didn't do everything we came here to do. Like that is, I think the worst feeling in the world is knowing that you should have or could have done more and you're going home the next day. And I think like that is what you should motivate us. I said it against Belmont. I, I said that before Belmont in the round of 64 of my senior year, I said that the number one emotion that you never want to feel is regret. So don't look back in two weeks and say, fuck, I could have gotten on the ground for that loose ball. You know, I could have done this or done that. I think tournament play maximizes, you know, that emotion where you you don't really think back to, you know, week three of the Big Ten conference and regular season play and say, shit, I should have hit a shot. But when it comes to tournaments and you lose and you feel the end of that season or you feel the end of that run, that's when you really start thinking as a player, man, I could have done a little bit more to help my team in that situation. So, you know, I, I just think everything is heightened in the tournament but i also think like we just talked about you just you you don't want to end you don't want the season to end you don't want to go into summer workouts and spring workouts like you don't want to be the guy that says hey you know i'm never playing with him again like he he won't be at practice next year you know you just want you want that journey to you continue also said building. it so with, anybody with else have anything part, on that? also like it's not about shots it's not about like making shots or missing shots it's like boxing out getting a rebound diving on the floor you have a decent defensive assignment do it right if you're supposed to hedge hard in the ball screen hedge hard don't switch like it's those types of things that are what causes regret it's not really missed shots because you know you're gonna miss shots you're gonna make something gonna miss something it's gonna happen yeah absolutely okay looking at our uh looking at our bracket moving forward we got it's purdue indiana iowa michigan state obviously us we're sitting six michigan's in there too who do you guys look ahead between Purdue, Iowa, Indiana, Michigan State? Who do you guys want to see? Not Michigan it, State. And it doesn't have to be explained. It's just real quick. Who do you want to see? I, yeah, I don't want to see Michigan State. I, I, At this moment, I'd want to see Purdue. I don't see how we beat Iowa. I just think it's a race of 70. Purdue has shown there's, there's cracks showing in their armor because you're yeah. seeing like – 
you give Edie a hard time, you make him work for it, make guys like Braden Smith score, make guys like Lawyer dribble the ball, get to the basket. Like, they seem to be kind of vulnerable at the moment. Uh, I think Indiana, we've beaten them before. Trace Daxon Davis is an animal. I kind of don't love the idea of playing him, but we've beaten them before. Michigan State, I just think, again, Drew, you've said it three times, Izzo and March is, generally speaking, not a great proposition for your for your team now do we think we do i think we beat them of course like we have more we have enough plenty of talent to do it i think we can do it but those guys are always tough to beat in these types of scenarios who uh nebraska first who wins who wins tournament games guards tougher teams too but guards you know that's the first thing you look at on paper who who has better guards Bigs typically aren't going to, you know, take you to the promised land. Kevin, you said that er- way early on. So I-, I think that's a big piece of it, too, where I'd be cool with going up and, you know, the best player being a big. You just trap and then you make somebody hit, you know, a big nut shot. Uh, and and games are closed, games come better. down to the wire. And, and guards take those shots. But, man, that's why it does. But that's that's where I also feel good about us. The point. We might have the best guard in the in the whole tournament. Agreed. And we got a bunch of guys around him that can that can make shots. Don Carey is a fifth year senior. Don Carey is everything to play for. Hakeem Hart, Dante. Like we got a lot of old dudes. We might have the best guard in this tournament. And we guard. We're gonna pick these guys up full court. I bet you in our first game we're, we're gonna sub a lot early. We're gonna we're gonna pick up the pace. I feel good about where we're at. If we're talking about those four teams, Purdue still worries me because of eighty Indiana might be playing the best basketball in the conference. Like, their win today at home against Michigan, they just I think they can get to a different level that I don't know if other teams can get to. It's probably, for me, it is Michigan State. Izzo scares me. It's usually not a good matchup for us, but the way we match up against them, obviously we have to beat Nebraska or Minnesota first. Don't want to look past that game. Yeah. But if we're talking about the top four seeds, for me, for me, I don't hate the Michigan State matchup. It's just like it – it comes down to, I think, our identities this year are very similar. It's just who's going to want it more. And one quick point is that if we're playing one of those four, it means we won a game. And I think those help, actually. You win a game in that yeah. gym, you're familiar, and you come back the next day and you run it back and try to get another win. So I think, actually, not having the double bye for this Maryland team might not be the worst thing. They come out, get some momentum, get a win in. Kevin made a great point. Gym, could make a little run. Yeah. Because in reality, like... If they get the bye, if they got in the bye, who would who their matchup? They could potentially be getting in Iowa. And Iowa's the worst yeah, team. Exactly. Like, you let Iowa, exactly. Illinois find the rhythm, mostly Iowa. It could be over in the first half if Iowa's making shots and they're playing fast. And mm-hmm. Illinois scares me. Shannon scares me. Uh, I, don't, I don't hate it. Obviously, playing the first game, like Reese said, you might find your rhythm. You get used to the gym and the atmosphere. The next team I think comes Kevin made a cold. great point. Our, I you think I look at our team. I think we are built for tournament play. We are aggressive, we get after, we press, and we are led by a great guard who has, I think, this really this whole entire season, he showed up for us in big minutes. Even today, like every time we needed a bucket, up until basically the very end, he got us a bucket. Um, so I think we are built for tournament play. I think we can go as far as, you know, Jameer and Hakeem and Dante take us, which, who knows? And, it, and that's tournament play. So I don't know if we're going to do another podcast here before we start Big Ten play. Um, Again, Chicago this week. uh, I think it's Friday, March 6th. No, what is it? Friday, March 9th uh, at the at the over under bar in 
Chicago, Illinois. So that, that'll be another live podcast. I don't know if we'll do a podcast before we start playing on Thursday night. However, I agree with these guys. I think getting in the gym, getting a feel for everything might be an advantage for us. We're not the oldest team, but we're not the youngest team either. I just don't think the, the minutes in the extra game is going to hurt us. It actually might help us. Uh, again, this is another episode of the Old Terps podcast brought to you by the good folks at New Amendment. We're fired up. We're ready for tournament play. This is the best time of year for any sports fan in the world. It's March. We've made it. And guess what? Terps are dancing, man. We're going to the tournament regardless if we win the next two or we lose the next one. So let, let's let's be excited for what we did this year and and let's let's keep moving. How great are we? Shout out us. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.